What time is it? Do we have time? Is time running out? Time never runs out for Mark! Yes, it's, yes, it's, yes, it's time for the brand new radio adventures of America's most famous time fighter, dashing young Mark Time, who protected by his confusing disguise as Gordo Cortez, weak-willed timekeeper, the double daylight downtown savings and loan, speaks for freedom-loving people everywhere. Mark Time! It's about today. It's about now! Well, it's about time. Hello, dear friends. Yes, my name's Mark Time. In my business, keeping free, you've got to watch it every minute. That's why I carry a fully loaded hourglass in my stash bag everywhere I go. Fully loaded. Take it from me, a brown suit with a shot of sand in his eyes doesn't know which tense he's in. Keep that in mind when I come back with today's well-oiled caper, the case of the punch-drunk clock. Mark will be back after this word about food. Tired of something different? Think you've eaten it all? Well, you're wrong again until you've tasted real food brand reconstituted artificial food with just a hinto taste. Real food brand is so good, you can't tell it from the real thing. Packed in plastic to keep it clean, real food comes in three USDA-approved flavors. Spicy wool, imitation chicken fricassee, and desert-tested salt. And in two convenient textures, bland, and for the youngsters, new now nitty-gritty bland. Buy some today. You'll never forget you did. And now, dear friends, it's the Fire Sign Theater radio program, Dear Friends, starring this week, the Fire Sign Theater! Nurse Yarby, Laird Krieger, and Bunny Henderson, Cesar Romero, get married in the Altered Ego episode of Punter's Girls, next on file. What? <coughs> Previews of coming attractions, starring this week. Dear friends, you and us. The only thing between you and us is all of this equipment. And uh, <laughs> right. someday, someday all of this equipment will be the same as you and me. And we will be the same as it. But, but in what world, Peter? Japanese world, man. Japanese. Because I was flashing this week on the fact that, like, ten years ago, your television set, your old Stromberg Carlson Plasto Giant, you know, you had to have, like, hands as big as a um, softball in order to turn channels, right? <laughs> from from hmm. the two channels you had. And nowadays, since most televisions and everything that's cosmetic is Japanese, they have these tiny little dials for tiny little hands, right? And you can go through 27 channels, right? So the Japanese uh, <coughs> have changed our entire motor mechanisms of our hands just by taking over the TV industry. All the, uh, all the um, doorknobs on the doors will suddenly get lower down, closer to the floor. And smaller. And smaller. Itty-bitty little radios, too. <coughs> right. Itty-bitty little uh, earpieces to listen to. Itty-bitty little programs. <laughs> Everything's gotten real fast and miniaturized, right? Do you remember how big the radios <coughs> used to be? 
so big that in order, like, you'd hear someone's like, Charles, could uh, could you come over tomorrow and help me move the radio into yeah, the living room? it was a real member of the family. Yeah, right. I have, I have a picture of myself, which I showed you guys, standing in front of the big family radio, and it used to light up with that big warm light, just like the, the big warm lights on the uh, vacuum cleaners when you were a kid. Remember those? Right. <laughs> the Hoover with the sure. big warm light. Just like the big warm light on your surrogate mother. Yeah, that's you, right. You got when you were, took that class in sociology. I still have sure. my surrogate mother. You I keep do? her under my pillow, sure. You do. Keeps I, me warm at night with that big warm light. Is that where you get your money? 50 cents a night. That's right. And uh, new teeth, too. And new teeth, right. I read a story about a surrogate mother thing. The thing they really did where a little monkey, right, if it, if it didn't suck the right teat of the surrogate mother, would get mm-hmm. air, uh, compressed air, blown at it. <laughs> if it sucked the right teat, you know, the, the, like the left one, which was probably right, then it got milk put in through a, through a tube. Otherwise, it got... And they found out, in fact, at the Hans Werfel Yale University... Uh, Neurophysiological uh, Institute yeah, yeah, yeah. of... Yeah. A feat uh-huh. that, indeed, the little monkey, after being scared to death five or six or seven times, did indeed avoid the right teeth, like the plague. What did that prove? Gee, I don't know, Phil. I, I got very tired of clinical psychology when indeed I was told that in order to take it, I would have to like run rats through a maze and dissect frogs and put electrodes into the heads of dogs and things. I figured, no, I think I'll take classical yeah. sieve or something like That's that. That's why you became a barber. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It was the only thing open that was, you know, yeah. didn't, doesn't hurt anybody to cut their hair, right? No. No, and I don't leech people anymore. And I don't, uh, don't do any more bloodletting. It lighting. only hurts them if their hair is made out of plastic tubing with fluid going through it, like I've seen some poor people on television uh, have, right? G.I. Joe has a new head of hair. Have yeah, you seen that? Yeah, it, but yeah. it doesn't grow. I'm waiting for them. Next, they'll put out G.I. Joe with a scar that bleeds and uh, uh, hair that really grows. No hair grows in this man's army. That's right. And maybe a little lice in it, too, because that's, of course, why they cut it short, you see, to keep Should it clean. Work <laughs> with a little lice, anyway. Yes. Lice over soda. <laughs> no, not, not ice. Yeah. Yeah. L- lice all in soda? Lice all oh. in soda? Oh, that's called a jumping jenny, where I come from. Listen, this bar doesn't serve anything but 69-cent bar scotch. That's all you get here. Uh, it's good? It's terrible. i tell you something. I took 43 drinks waiting to get on a plane from Burbank to Oxnard yes, yesterday. Yeah, I that... waited down that city inter, 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 interplanetary airport uh, central, yes. Right, Yeah, well, it's, it's as close as possible to, to where I live, if you want to call out a living. I understand. 65 drinks, you think? 40, uh, 48, actually. That was a good year for bar scotch. I was absolutely destroyed. I got up to 20,000 feet, and I began to see people with weapons in the plane. I began, no. oh, yeah, right. Well, they were there, of course. Oh, well. But you can't see them until you get there. All well. right. Is everybody here now? I think we can begin. <coughs> the president has asked us... President? ...to write... God bless the Fred. president. All right, Fred. I know we God all God bless the president. All right. All right. Please, gentlemen. Gentlemen, please. Is this microphone on here? Please. Uh, the president has asked us to communicate with those countries who are presently growing marijuana and uh, poppies. I, I hope, I know, Jimmy, that you're going to say that the artificial poppies that you give out as part of the veterans program will be affected by this. It is not true. You cannot smoke those. No, we never. They are inflammable, we, as a matter we, of fact. We never, we Can never. turn his microphone Thank on, you right? very Thank much. You, Thank you, Senator. As we never have any, uh, any, uh, uh, we never smoke any of those poppies right. at all. They're, right. they're for medicinal purposes and are to right. be swallowed whole, anyway, except for the little seeds. I think we should all get 
get behind this effort and push him over the top and get these countries, these nasty countries, to stop growing this stuff so that we can get a market on it here at home. I think that Lucky Strike Green is going to hit the streets, right? right? Keep the problem in the pockets of the businessmen. That's what I say. You better believe it, friend. And let's back the president all the way up there. I backed him yesterday into the swimming pool, and I nearly lost all of my senatorial privileges. For example, I can't go to the electric wee-wee room anymore. Yes. Oh, that's since the French have come, right? Yes. Ever since they started speaking German on the first floor, I can't get anything worthwhile to eat except a little beer brat. Have any of you tried to run the maze on the fifth floor? Oh, no. Oh, I can't. can't. They wouldn't give me a key to the fifth floor. That's where they keep the secretary. I live in an office that used to be Ralph Nader's. Oh, no, really? That is the Nader. (laughs) That's a pun. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, gentlemen, I think that's enough for today. Let's all retire into the retirement room and have a little drinky drink. Both work and living have become more and more pointless and empty. There's no lack of meaningful things that cry out to be done, but our working days are used up in what lacks meaning, making useless or harmful products, or servicing the bureaucratic structures. For most Americans, work is mindless, exhausting, boring, servile, and hateful, something to be endured while life is confined to time off. Beginning with school, if not before, an individual is systematically stripped of his imagination, his creativity, his heritage, his dreams, and his personal uniqueness in order to fit him to be a productive unit in a mass technological society. Instinct, feeling, and spontaneity are suppressed by overwhelming forces. As the individual is drawn into the meritocracy, his working life is split from his home life, and both suffer from a lack of wholeness. In the end, people virtually become their occupations, and their other roles, and are strangers to themselves. The American crisis, then, seems clearly to be related to an inability to act. But what is the cause of this paralysis? Why, in the face of every warning, have we been unable to act? Why have we not used our resources more wisely and justly? We tell ourselves that social failure gets down to individual moral failure. We must have the will to act. We must first find concern and compassion in our hearts. But this diagnosis is not good enough. It is contradicted by the experience of powerlessness that is encountered by so many people. 